Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, and we want to continue with this that I began a couple of Wednesdays ago on sound doctrine. And uh, I made the statement, a lack of sound doctrine in the pulpit will produce error from the pulpit. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, uh, who pastored the church in Ephesus during this time, and he said, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but you continue in the things that you've learned, been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them, and that from a child you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ. Then he says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. And we went through the four things last week that Paul said scripture was profitable for. But the first thing that he said it was profitable for was doctrine. All right, doctrine. Doctrine can best be described as teaching as instruction. The Phillips translation says that the word is for teaching the faith and correcting error. Amen. You know, we don't correct error in our opinion. We correct error by the word of God. My opinion is not valid enough to correct error. Only the word of God, which is absolute truth, is valid enough to correct error. Amen. Another translation says, teaching the truth and refuting error. The Jerusalem translation says, teaching and for refuting error. So Paul states, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. It profits. Hallelujah. And the first thing he said it was profitable for is doctrine. So good doctrine corrects error, and protects against error. Amen. Say that out loud. Good doctrine protects against error. Hallelujah. Good doctrine. Do, do you see that? Now, the last thing, a pastor, the best thing a pastor can do is preach and teach sound doctrine. You know, I learned a long time ago that, that if, if I'm concerned about who's shouting and who's not shouting, I'm going to miss something. Because you'll, you'll, you'll start being drawn to that need for someone to affirm you. A- amen. And a lot of times when you're feeding sheep food, it's like giving broccoli and cauliflower to a child. All of them don't like it. So it gets a little quiet, but you pull out the ding-dongs and the ho-hos and the chocolate milk and the powder donuts. Oh, I love you, mommy. I love you, mommy. I love you, mommy. Well, it tastes good. It was filling, but there was absolutely no nutritional content at, in it at all. As a matter of fact, there was a detriment in it. Amen. In uh, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul wrote Timothy, and he said, Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. Now, that phrase, rightly dividing... In the Greek, it literally means to cut straight the word, all right? In, in other words, there's no frills. You are correctly analyzing. Matter of fact, the Amplified Bible says, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Notice the phrases that he used, correctly analyzing, accurately dividing, 
rightly handling, skillfully teaching the word of truth. All right? If, if, if doctrine is going to be taught correctly, it has to be skillful. Amen. Hallelujah. For our doctrine to be sound, we have to accurately divide and skillfully teach the word. All right? The word of God should always leave you with a sense of victory. All right? Even when it pertains to troubling times. All right? Even when it pertains to troubling times. This is important because this is what we're going to look at tonight. Is a, a, a doctrine concerning certain things in the last days. A doctrine concerning certain issues prophetically. And uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9, this is a familiar scripture, but I need you to see this because uh, the, the day and age that, that we live in is uh, there's so much misinformation. There's a lot of misinformation coming across pulpits. And, and television programs and radio programs. And uh, I'm not to, here to correct anybody. I'm, I'm here to protect my body from error. Our churches. Amen. And uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9. Notice what it says. The thing that has been is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. The Amplified Bible says, the thing which has been is what will be again, and that which has been done is that which will be done again, and there's nothing new under the sun. Now, what Solomon essentially is saying here is that history has a way of repeating itself, all right? And especially when God is working with his people, what you have seen before is what you will see again because God can't change. If, if you look at God's dealings with his people throughout the years and throughout the centuries, you can begin to see and expect God's dealings to be the same way in the day and age we live in. Hallelujah. Let's go over to Luke chapter 17. Remember, the word leaves you with a sense of what? Victory. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 17. And we'll begin here in verse 26. Now notice what, I, I should probably ask you, what color are these words? What's, what's that? Red. So that means that it's historically recorded that Jesus said these words. Is that right? So notice, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Notice this. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, now notice, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded, but the same day Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, I want you to see something. You'll hear people saying this. You'll hear people preaching and teaching a great economic collapse, that there's going to be economic destruction, that the economy's going to fall apart. There's going to be a worldwide depression. Uh, everything's going to fall apart. Uh, you know, because after all, we're in the last days, and the Bible says, you know, that there's going to come a time that you won't be able to buy and sell. And yeah, but it says that and without the mark of the beast and. We're not here when that happens. Amen. 
uh, I'm showing you this because I want you to see something. Notice what Jesus said would be happening before the rapture. Notice what he said. He said people would be eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, buying, selling, planting, and building. Is that what your Bible says? This is before the rapture, and people will say, well, how do we know that? Because both Noah and Lot are examples of the righteous who are taken out of the earth before the destruction of the tribulation. Amen. Now, if people are eating and drinking and buying and selling and marrying and giving in marriage and building things and buying land, sounds like a pretty normal life to me. Amen. Now, Paul said right here, he said to Timothy, he said, evil men, and we're going to deal with evil men in just a little bit, but he said, evil men and wicked ideas, these things are going to get worse and worse, and, and they have to get worse and worse, because the Bible says that the enemy, the devil, was cast out of heaven, right? When he rose up against God, he was cast out of heaven and cast down to the earth, and that he came to the earth in great fury. He's angry. He's increasing his attempt to stop the plan of God in the earth. Hallelujah. He just keeps running into a problem called the church. Right? The church just will not let him have his way. And, and, that's, and that's why this is in another sermon. That's why you can't buy into that garbage about the church being weak and the church being asleep and the church not doing its job. I've heard people say the church is paralyzed. I've heard the church say ugly things or, or people say ugly things about the church. No. My Lord Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. It's so interesting to me that out of all that people say, they forget to understand understand that Jesus Christ told the Apostle Paul that the Antichrist could not even be revealed until the church is raptured out of here. Why? We are what is withholding the enemy's master plan. But the devil is so, he's so prideful that he will still try to do things that really he even knows he can't do, but pride convinces him that he can. Glory to God. Sounds like a normal life to me. I mean, there will be financial ups and downs in the world. But if we rightly divide the Scripture, life goes on as normal right up to the rapture of the church. If we rightly divide the Scripture. Christians panic. And they panic because of bad doctrine. Uh, well, my wife's the only one, one here that was in the church at that time, but those watching in Kansas, many of you will remember, uh, when, when, uh, when uh, Y2K was on the horizon. And, uh, you know, I mean, none, none of us had ever experienced that. None of us had ever uh, been faced with something like that that they were, they, some were predicting. And uh, Pastor Michelle and I, we just took time and got with the Lord, and I began to, to, to be led to, to understand that it wasn't going to be a big thing at all. Amen. And so that's what I taught in my church, that, that ever what happens, if all the computers freeze up, God's bigger than a computer, and He'll take care of us. I mean, you can buy all the beanie weenies you want. But, but, you know, if it's all going to fall apart that bad, you better have a lot of beanie weenies. Amen. And there, there was a group, there was a group in Topeka, Kansas. Now, Topeka, Kansas is, is uh, about 30-some-odd miles, isn't that right? 40, 50 miles from, from DeSoto and 70 miles. That's what it is, 70 miles. And uh, uh, they were a, uh, a prophecy club. And they started selling pallets of rations and they had three or four different size pallets you could buy a three to six month pallet 
you know, for five, six hundred dollars. And then you could buy a nine to twelve month pallet, you know, for a thousand dollars. And then you could buy a bigger pallet, you know, two, three years for a few thousand dollars. And people bought those things like nobody's business. And they had people on there, prophecy teachers, people, people that was supposedly you could put your trust in. Oh, yeah, this is it. This is it. This, this is the last of the last. And, and, and God's got, right? I was in watch night service in our DeSoto campus when the clock struck 12 o'clock. And there wasn't even a flicker. Amen. I used to have the, the Kansas City Star. I saved it for years. I, in one of our moves, it got lost. But the headline the next morning was, Why to nothing? <laughs> Amen. Right? Now, I know many, many of y'all attended Agape at the time. and pastor did the same thing. We're, everything's going to be okay. But here, here's my point. Here's my point. Now, you got all those people that were lied to. Because somebody was on the radio preaching unsound doctrine. Head for the hills. Buy a cave. Buy land in the desert. You know, they got sued. People, people sued them. I don't even think that ministry is in existence anymore. Because here's what I want you to understand. Even in the book of Revelation, when you read the book of Revelation... When the church is raptured, all right, when, when, when the righteous influence in the earth is gone, and, and we talk about the famine, when you read the book of Revelation, the famine in the book of Revelation is not worldwide. It's not worldwide. The Bible doesn't say it's worldwide. It, it, people will say all the, every living thing is destroyed. No, it's not. The Bible says a third of the trees was destroyed. A third of the grass was destroyed. It says a third of the waters turned to blood. What I'm trying to explain to you is there are areas, there are parts of the world during the tribulation that are very hard hit. But there are parts that are not as hard hit. you got to rightly divide the word. And when you hear somebody saying there's a vast economic collapse coming, prepare for a famine, prepare for everything to fall apart, you better read your Bible. Because Jesus said life would be going on as normal. Amen. The Word of God does not describe a complete financial disaster before the rapture. Hallelujah. Now, I, I grew up in a church that didn't believe in the rapture. We tribulated. I mean, we, we were all preparing to die. My sister and I would have discussions about, you know, when we gave our life for the Lord during the tribulation. Because that was the only way out. Right? We showed thief in the night every year. Some of y'all haven't been saved long enough to remember Thief in the Night. That was a movie they made back in the early 70s called A Thief in the Night. It was a popular movie. And the, the only way out, if, if, if the, 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 the only way out was. And we didn't believe in the rapture. That movie believed in the rapture. They were smarter than our preacher was. We didn't believe in the rapture. So if you're not going in the rapture, that's it. Hallelujah. And so we were expecting bad things to happen. We were thinking, how are we going to live in a cave? And, and where are we going to go? And how are we going to hide? Amen. It doesn't mean there won't be hiccups in the economy and suffering in some lands. It means this, that Jesus is not returning to find a world in the throes of a worldwide depression. Remember what the Lord told us? When the, the other day, when I was at Six Days of Faith, he gave us that word. And he said, when they say it's times of recession, you say it's times of refreshing. Amen. Jesus is telling us that the time of the rapture 
will be a day just like any other day. This is important. Because the people in Noah's day and in Lot's day had no idea destruction was coming. They had no idea. The Bible says they didn't know till the righteous were gone. Aren't you glad you're the righteous? And the only thing they had, now watch this, was the behavior of Noah and the behavior of Lot. That's all they had. They were the witnesses to the unbelieving world. That's why Jesus said in the book of Matthew, he said, you are the salt of the earth. And then he said, you are the light of the world. He said, a city set up on a hill cannot be hidden. He said, you don't buy a candle to put a bushel over it, but you set it on a lampstand and it lightens the whole house. He said, therefore, let your good works show to the world. The, the Amplified Bible says your moral excellence. Let your moral excellence be a light to the world. And he said this in a surety. He said, and they will see your moral excellence and they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. The only thing the world has is our behavior. That's all they have. And, and if the church is panicked, and if the church is falling apart, what's the world going to do? They have no hope. They have no hope. Your unsaved neighbor has no hope. Your unsaved loved one, your unsaved coworker, they have no hope. And I can't afford to just sit around and discuss the news with them like everybody else does. I've somehow got to let my behavior be. I know that things in the world look rough, but let me tell you about the blessed hope. Let me tell you about the way out. I don't know what Noah preached other than I know he preached righteousness. We'll see that in just a moment. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how long exactly it took Noah to build the ark. You know, some people say several hundred years. I don't know that the Bible tells us exactly. But here's what I do know. I do know that if he was a preacher of righteousness, a preacher of justness, a preacher of right standing with God, he was explaining to people, this is the way that you can please God. Hallelujah. Isn't it interesting that God had Noah build an ark that was way too big for eight people. But only eight would believe. Why? Because the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of eternal life. Do you know how many, do you know how many unbelievers unbelievers would go to their grave without God if everything fell apart, if the economy fell apart, if there was no food, if there was famine throughout the world. You know how many unbelievers would go to hell that would go out of this world without God in their life, the destruction that would follow that, God is giving them every opportunity to turn their lives to Him. He is going to finance the church to an even greater measure so that we can propagate the gospel on an even higher level. God's not done with the world. God's not done with America. And God's not done with you. It's, it's my behavior it's my behavior. Oh, hallelujah. Many Christians are panicked. And they're panicked because of unsound doctrine. Notice, Jesus gives us a pattern to follow. After the righteous are gone, the destruction came. And it came quickly. The day they left. The worst day in the history of the world will be the day the church leaves. Because there's nothing withholding. Oh, hallelujah. Notice 2 Peter chapter 2. Am I helping you? Yeah, I know there are preachers that they, they, they won't even touch last day's things 
because they make this statement, well, you know, everybody believes something different. That's because they have bad doctrine. Amen. You know, I've heard people talk about that rapture nonsense. Call the rapture nonsense. Pretty good bet they're not going. If it's nonsense. Amen. Let, let me share this with you. I'm not teaching on the rapture tonight, probably next week. But I do need you to see this. Paul said we will all be caught up, those believers that are here on the earth, we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah. It's, it's the Greek word harpazo, and it, it means a violent snatching away to quickly move from one place to another. And it says we'll meet him in the air. He doesn't come to the earth. The Bible says we meet him in the atmosphere above the earth. Amen. And when they, when, when they, when they uh, interpreted that in Latin, when they translated that in Latin, the only word they could use was the word rapture, which is where we get the word rapture. Well, you know, rapture used to describe a feeling that you would get. You would hear a piece of music, and you would just be enraptured. It would, you would be enraptured by that music. You would just be carried away. You might close your eyes, and you're just carried away. You and I are expecting the rapture of the church. It's going to happen in a day that nobody knows. Nobody thinks it's... You're, you might be on your way to work, and you're just here one second and gone the next second. Amen. We might all, I, wouldn't it be great if we was all sitting in church and we all got raptured together? But, but my point is, one moment we're here, the next moment we're gone. Amen. And then there's nothing to hold back the plan of the enemy except the fact that the earth is the Lord's. And Satan will never be the Lord of the earth. Amen. Now, hallelujah. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For the righteous man, uh, the, that righteous man dwelling among them, seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds." Now notice, I want you to see something. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He's preaching. He's sharing what good news he knew. Which we can assume it was, look, something's coming. <laughs> and the boat is ready. Hallelujah. See, when God closed the door, God closed the door. See what I'm saying? Noah didn't close the door. God closed the door. At the rapture of the church, that's God closing the door. The church is gone. Now, people will get born again during the tribulation, and they will join the church company. But it's evident from Scripture that, that, that they will either make it through the tribulation by their faith, or they'll give their life for their faith. But many will get born again. God is so determined to get people saved that for 2,000 years over, he's had the church in the earth as his witness. After the church is raptured, he's got 144,000 Jewish evangelists that evangelize the known world. And then they're raptured, and angels start preaching the gospel. You've never seen that in the Bible until the tribulation. Why are angels not preaching the gospel today? We're here. Mm. But God shut the door. 
In other words, when God shut the door, why did God shut the door? This is going to play into what I'm going to teach in just a moment. God shut the door evidently because he knew the hardness and the impenitence of the hearts of the people that were left on the earth. They wanted nothing to do with God. They didn't want to listen to Noah. And God said, okay, that's it. I'm shutting the door. But the righteous were taken. Oh, hallelujah. Say it out loud. I'm the righteous. And I'm going to be taken. And notice, just Lot. Lot was just. Now, he vexed his soul. He shouldn't have been where he was at. But he was just. That means that Lot did not participate in the the goings-on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Why why is that important? His behavior was his witness. The times were wicked, but notice something. The focus is on the behavior of Noah and the behavior of Lot. Life overall was normal. Hallelujah. Now now listen, I, I know you'll hear people talk about tumult and and all the things that are going to be going on. Not if you read what Jesus said. And Peter backed it up. Oh, hallelujah. Now, what about wicked men? What about wicked leaders? Let's go to Romans chapter 9. Now, I want to ask a question And it's kind of one of those, hey, duh, questions. (laughs) Does God know what he's doing? I heard some laughter, but I didn't hear any answers. Does God know what he's doing? Tell your neighbor, I believe God knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. So God knows what he's doing. Now I want you to see something. Romans 9, verse 17. For the scripture saith, now what says? Scripture. All scripture is what? God breathed, given by the inspiration of God. Is that right? So Paul says, the scripture says unto Pharaoh. Even for this same purpose have I raised you up. Oh, oh, what? God said he raised Pharaoh up. See, very often we talk about God raised Moses up, but the Bible right here, through the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, by inspired Scripture, says God raised him up. For what purpose? That I might show my power in you. And that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Is that what it says? God raised up Moses and God raised up Pharaoh. If you go back and you read through the book of Exodus, at the burning bush... God told Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh, but he's not going to listen to you. He will harden his heart. Now, here's the question. Does God know everything? What's that? God knows everything. Would he have known Pharaoh was going to harden his heart? So why did he tell Moses to go to him? Knowing that he was going to harden his heart. I'll I'll, I'll show you. Many are worried about wicked men in power. But understand something. Wicked men will always be limited. This is a pattern we see in the scripture. Wicked men will always be limited. God does not create human beings with the purpose of condemning them 
God doesn't create people, and their purpose is to condemn them, to send them to hell, to destroy them. That's not God's purpose, all right? But he also is, he also is not responsible for the sinfulness of men. God creates no leader to destroy them, but he's not responsible for their sinfulness. God gave Pharaoh chance after chance to repent. Seven times, I counted seven times in the Bible, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. In, in the book of Exodus alone, seven times Pharaoh hardened his, hardened his heart. If you put in the times that it says God hardened his heart, it's three more. Ten times Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Amen. Remember after some of the plagues, the plague would be lifted, Pharaoh would say, just Pray, ask, ask your God to take away the plague. And the plague would be lifted, and it said, Pharaoh hardened his heart and said, I'm not going to let him go. Amen. He's destroying his country. He's destroying his nation. But he's hardening his heart. Amen. The children of Israel, now listen to this, were in bondage over 400 years, 430 years. Yet in one night, they were delivered. Isn't that right? All the firstborn in Egypt died, and Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron and said, get out of here. Take everything. Go. Right? 430 years in bondage, hardship, hard slave labor for 430 years under the taskmaster of diff, under the hand of different taskmasters and different pharaohs but in one night God delivered them oh hallelujah this is a pattern in the world in the word it may look as if the wicked are winning but their time is short their time is short the book of Psalms says, when you, say the, you see the wicked and it looks like they're prospering and they're flourishing like the Bible calls a green bay tree, he said, don't worry about that. He said, their time is short. It might look like they're prospering, but their time's short. Amen. Here's what I'm trying to get across to you. You can't buy the unsound doctrine it's more wicked than it's ever been. All oh, these wicked people, what are we going to do? We don't have any hope. 430 years in Egyptian bondage, and in one night, God delivered them. Amen. Amen. Look at 1 Samuel 17. Am I helping you? Hallelujah. You, you don't have time to give your mind to unsound doctrine. You can't, you can't do it. I want you to see this. 1 Samuel 17, 16. And the Philistine, you know who he is, right? Goliath. The Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself, notice this, 40 days. And notice, how, when did he do it? Morning and evening. So if he did it twice a day for 40 days, how many times did they hear from him? 80 times. Is that right? Twice a day for 40 days he defied the armies of the living God. Now notice, he had a disdain for God and for his people. Is that right? 40 days... Two times a day, he threatened them. He cursed them by his gods, right? They thought we're in control. God's people were, were shaking in their boots because of what a man was saying. Well, that's the power of words. But that's a lot of what we see today. 
People are hearing, remember what the Lord told us? He said that you cannot afford to give your mind and your words over to the information that ungodly sources are pouring out because if you do, you'll begin to think that way and you'll begin to speak that way and it will be established to you. I was talking to a realtor friend of mine today, uh, uh, getting him involved in, in helping me do a building search. And uh, uh, he uh, uh, contacted me back and he said, I'm so glad to hear that the church is thriving. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, you know, during COVID, I know of, I don't know how many churches that, that went completely under. You know what that caused? Great thanksgiving unto God from me. Here we are. Here we are thriving. Here we are in better shape than we've ever been in. Here we are, our church, both of our churches are thriving. Both of our churches are growing. Both of our churches are debt-free in a paid-for flow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You, 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 you start buying into what the world's saying, and you'll miss it. Notice chapter 48, or not chapter 48, verse 48. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took a stone, slang it, smoked the Philistine in his head, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now watch, one month of the wicked, 80 times, cursing God, running his mouth, defying God in his talk. In one moment of time, Goliath was finished. One stone. When did that happen? The day David showed up. Now think about this. Who had 40 days to deal with that giant? Saul. Saul wouldn't deal with him. One man showed up with faith in what God could do who wasn't in rebellion and dealt with the problem. This, this was some of the most wicked people in the world at the time. Defying God, cursing David by his gods. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, everybody's corrupt. No, everybody is not corrupt. No, they're not. All the politicians, no, they're not. No, they are not. Hallelujah. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, we just lost a, a battle the other night. You know, we just, we just lost the vote in Kansas. Thank God we had the right to vote. Thank God the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and put it back to the states, and we got a right to vote on it. Hallelujah. You there in Kansas, regroup. Pull yourself back together. Get ready for the fight. We're not losing. We're not going out of here with a whimper. We're not going out of here with our tail tucked between our legs, having been beat down in the corner by the enemy and somehow God came and rescued us. No, a thousand times no. The Bible says that we're going out of here with our heads held high in victory. Our king is coming to retrieve us. And he's not coming back silently and secretly to take his people away so that nobody will know they're his people. The Bible says that we're going to come back with him and rule and reign on this earth. And he's going to come back dressed in a flashy suit that has the king of kings and the Lord of lords written on him his breastplate and on his thigh a name written that says the word of God and all of us ten thousands of ten thousands are going to come on our white horses behind him to rule and reign in this earth coming back to exercise authority on an earth that we exercised authority on before we left hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to remember something. The Bible says the day will come when the men of the earth, 
the nations of the earth will gather around the devil and look at him and goes, is that the man? Is that the one that made the nations to tremble? Is that really him? Thought he'd be bigger. Hallelujah. The devil talks. He, the Bible says, remember in the book of Jude, it talks about people that are spots. And it says they speak great swelling words. And it said, but here's, here's what they are. They're clouds without rain. They can't do what they promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's important. Glory. You remember Elijah? And he sort of fits the pattern too. For three and a half years, there was no rain. Elijah got so upset, he was ready to die. Remember? He, he went and, and hid out. Now watch, I, I, I want to show you this. God had taken care of him and, 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 and he had... He had ran and hid. And remember he told the Lord, he, I'm ready to die. What did he say? I alone. I alone. Why was he so upset? Well, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And she had proven that she'd do what she said. Right? You had the most wicked king ever in power. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says about Ahab. When you read it, he was the son of Omri. And right after Omri died and Ahab took the throne, the first thing the Bible says about Ahab was there was no king in the history of Israel that sold himself to do wickedly like Ahab. That's the first thing the Bible says about him. <laughs> Bad dude. Well, this is the most wicked government we've ever had. It's the most outwardly wicked government we've ever had. We've had wicked people govern us before. Hallelujah. You act like you don't believe that. You know... <laughs> Did God raise up Pharaoh? He did. Did he know what Pharaoh was? He did. What was the end result? God's people were delivered. Does God care about his people? I'm telling you, the end result of it, and I'm not talking political. I don't care if the political system ever changes. Victory is ours. Because God will not let his people suffer. Won't do it. Won't do it. If God can't thrive us, if God can't cause us to thrive in a society and a system that seems bent against us, then he's not really God. Right? Because if he can only cause us to thrive and prosper and, and have the victory... When everything's going our way, anybody can do that. Mm. But when everybody was against the Israelites, God brought them out. When everybody was against the army of Israel and they were hiding and cowered, cowering, God took one man and changed the whole situation. The Lord told me years ago, he said, Philip, one man can change the world. People will ask me, staff will ask me sometimes, what are we doing today, Pastor? Same thing we do every day, changing the world. Amen. We're changing the world. Your world has been changed. You're not where you were when you got a hold of the things of God. Your See, your world. we are world changers. But you, you remember that? And, and, and Elijah said, remember what he said? I alone am left. God said, come here. Let me talk to you. 
I have 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. When you hear some people talk, nobody loves the Lord anymore. All Christians are backslidden. Best thing you can do is not listen to polls. I saw a poll one time, and the headline was this. 64% of Christians don't believe the Bible's infallible. Then in the really small print, you had to get your glasses and your magnifying glass. It said, of 1,000 interviewed. You know how many people there are in America? 300 and some odd million. So you're telling me that a thousand person sample is accurate? There, there, there are over 60 million Christians in America. And right away, you'll hear somebody say, well, they're not doing their job. You better watch out. That's a pot calling the kettle black. We all have a common enemy. The enemy, the devil. God said, now you go, watch, you go, and you tell Ahab to meet you on Mount Carmel. Is that right? And how many prophets of Baal were there? You know, 450. How many men of God were there? Who else came? Ahab. Who else came? All the people. Remember? And Elijah stepped out and issued the challenge. If Baal's God, we'll serve him. If Jehovah's God, we'll serve him. The God that answers by fire. I'm not going to take time. I got something else to say to you here. But you remember, three and a half years of no rain because of their wickedness. He confronts the prophets of Baal. One man, God sends fire. At the, after the end of that sacrifice, 450 prophets of Baal, gone, right? Si- cloud size of a man's hand comes in off the ocean. God says, tell Ahab he better get down because there's an abundance of rain coming, right? Three and a half years, one afternoon, it all changes. Hmm. See, God not only works through the good guys, even though that's what we like to think. God knows what a wicked man will choose to do. And he designs a plan to guide that wicked person to a crossroads without violating their will. They will come to a crossroads. They'll have to make a choice. And when they make the wrong choice, if they do, it's over. Hallelujah. God never made Pharaoh do anything that Pharaoh didn't want to do. God worked a plan that brought him to the Red Sea, and in one moment of time, Pharaoh was no more. We will see the design the designs of evil and crafty men, but they'll be exposed. And when they're exposed, they'll be utilized to move forward the great plan of God. Hallelujah. Notice in Psalm chapter 12, this is probably not a psalm that you've ever memorized, and you'll see why. Sound doctrine. Psalm 12, we'll read the whole psalm. It's only eight verses. Now, we'll read through this psalm, and then you can tell me if we could not put 2022 over the top of this psalm. 
Help, Lord. <laughs> for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak lying. The King James says vanity. They speak lies, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? I have to do what God says. I have to pay attention to his laws. I can redefine marriage if I want. I can codify abortion if I want. I don't have to respect the church. I don't have to respect the things of God. If, if, you, won't, if, you, if, you, won't, if you won't treat, if you won't teach transgenderism in your school and even your Christian school, I'll take away your school lunches. That's what we're hearing. Right? Who's Lord over me? Do what I want. Now notice. For the oppression of the poor, for the sign of the needy, watch. Now will I rise, says the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him or him that would ensnare him. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, the them is us. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. So here we see great wickedness and great hope and triumph. In the middle of the evil, God promises to rise up and to move. And his promise is to flip and turn the evil that has been done. That's God's promise. Oh, hallelujah. Don't think for one minute God's not at work just because we've not seen evil people punished. We will see them punished. Because God's at work. God's at work. So no need to panic. No need to worry. Well, you know, Pastor, what's going to happen to all my hard-earned savings? Nothing. Well, how can you promise that? Well, if life's going on as normal. Hmm. See, I don't have Fox's theology. I don't have CNN's doctrine. I don't watch it. I don't watch it. And I'll tell you why. That's not my flow. That's a natural flow. That's a flesh flow. That, that appeals to the flesh. I just want to see what's going on in the world. You know what killed the cat? Curiosity. Now, you do whatever you want where your news watching is concerned. But, I, but I'm, I'm telling you something. The pulpit is not meant to be a political stand. Where we preach partisan politics. And make fun of our leaders. And say ugly things. Don't, don't run down our leaders and call them ugly names. And then tell me I need to pray for them. People that you care about, you don't talk ugly about. Well, pastor, I don't care about them. That's your first problem. The Bible says that we're to pray for them because God desires all men to be saved. I don't care what political person you're looking at from the highest office to the lowest office. You need to think about something. If they laid their head on their pillow tonight and their heart quit beating and they died, where are they going? And just like if they were to go to heaven, they would not be asked, are you a Republican or a Democrat? When, when they show up at hell, they're not going to ask them, are you a Republican or a Democrat? They are forever separated from God. They are in eternal punishment forever. No getting out of it. And, 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 and there are people that think, well, that's what they deserve. That's what you deserve. 
That's what we all deserve. Every one of us had willingly, willfully walked away from God and His mercy and His love and His grace and His compassion. But yet the Bible says that God sent Jesus to die for us when we were of absolutely no use to Him whatsoever. You might look at a political person and say they are godless. They are this. There were people that said those things about you. But somehow Jesus came and knocked on the door of your heart and you were wise enough one day to give your life to Christ and everything changed. God can change any heart that will give one moment of time to the light of the gospel. God can change it. God can change it. Don't don't get drawn into this partisan politic battle. Hallelujah. Because no politician has the answer. No party has the answer. The Democrats don't have the answer. The Republicans don't have the answer. The Independents don't have the answer. The Communists don't have the answer. The Socialist doesn't have the answer. The Christian has the answer. And that's it. That's it. God said, I will keep you from them that puff at you. I'll turn it. Amen. I'll turn it. And that's what he's going to do. Glory to God. Amen. Let's stand up tonight. Praise the Lord. I hope you received something from that.